Welcome. I'm here with Dr. Jeff Hirsch, the Chief Medical Officer of GE Healthcare. It's great to be with you. Hey, nice to be here. So uh, first, let's start with, with you and your role at, at GE Healthcare. Um, as the Chief Medical Officer, I know you're traveling around the world as a global operation. Uh, tell us what your role is and, and what the mission of GE Healthcare is. The concept here is we're trying to um, improve lives in the moments that matter. And if you heard uh, Vice President Biden this morning when he was talking about in those moments, uh, I thought it was uh, extremely emotional when he was talking about a cancer survivor saying, look, could you just give me two more weeks to see my grandchild born or whatever. And it's those moments that are really important. And so improving lives in the moments that matter, I think, sums up what we're trying to do at GE Healthcare. And is that through through technology, through science, through innovation, through services, or all of the, the above? So all of the above. I mean, the, the goal is to really support those out there who are trying to deliver excellent medical care and for us to do everything that we can to support them in the best way possible to help them achieve that goal. So you've been in the health care industry for many years um, as, a, as a doctor, clinician. Um, what's your view on the state of innovation today and, and just where we are as, a, as an industry? There's been quite a lot of changes. Um, you heard some people say this morning um, the amount of information understood in the world is doubling every 73 days. And as you look at that and you look at the changes that are going on, you look at how the world is truly becoming smaller, you see this with infectious diseases uh, becoming prevalent in places where they never even existed before. And as all of that happens, it becomes extremely important to respond to that. And one of the ways that we respond to that is by improving technology, by innovative ideas, by truly thinking outside the box, by doing this digitally. GE is uh, very much an industrial and digital company. And so not just in technology in the industrial side, but also in the digital side. How can we process that amazing amount of information and utilize it in a way where it can actually help patient care? So we hear and talk often about digital health. Uh, Give us a little context to what that means to an organization like GE Healthcare. So um, I, I talk about this quite a bit. If we look, let me just focus for one minute just on our imaging business, and sure. that's only one example. The images need to interact with the patient. So for example, can you have your technology look and if the patient moves, correct for the patient motion? Just a very obvious example. You would like the images to interact with the clinicians. So can they give the clinicians some understanding of underlying pathophysiology in an actionable way? And then you'd like the images to interact with themselves. For instance, uh, um, uh, clinical decision support. Can the images uh, call out things that may be um, abnormal? And a lot of this advancement is happening digitally. So you have the technology there, but can you interpret that information and use it in a way where it can more aggressively fulfill or at least speak to some of the undermet clinical needs that are happening with patients, unfortunately, all over the world, and how can we improve that care? So as, as we look at new innovations today, we hear about things like AI. Um, what are you most excited about sitting in, uh, from your perch at, at GE Healthcare? What, what's most exciting about the future of healthcare? what we're going to be able to do with this massive amount of information. And I like to think of this in, in different levels. I consider what I call big, big data population health. Um, one of the examples I give sometimes is 
we don't really do amazing amounts of routine maintenance on jet engines. Instead, we monitor a lot of things. So there's sensors everywhere. <laughs> Excuse me, a lot of sensors. And by identifying issues, we can then address them before they become a problem or when they're very early. That's what we're trying to do in population health. What are the things that we should be monitoring and for which patients? Mm -hmm. So not everything for everybody. Then you go down to what I consider little big data, which is what we call personalized healthcare. How do I apply that massive amount of information for an individual human being? So God forbid you have cancer. Might I be able to look at your genome and maybe even your epigenome of your cancer cells and compare that to your normal cells and predict which proteins which issues are going to occur, which cell markers there may be, and how I can now maybe design a treatment very specific for an individual patient? And what are the other factors? What other aspects do they have which might make them intolerant or even breed resistance to that particular kind of treatment? You look at how far we've come over the last several decades. Childhood cancer is just an amazing example. Um, over 90% of children who have uh, acute uh, lymphoblastic leukemia today are disease-free five years later, and that's wonderful. But why not the other 10%? What's different? Hmm. Why isn't it 100%? Because that's what we'd really like. And also and, the other 200 cancers. And the other 200 cancers as well. So how, how do we look at these things? How do we understand them better? And I think um, this is what the digital age promise uh, means. You know, we, we looked at the human genome and we haven't gotten quite the wonderful insights that we thought we would, but maybe it was either too early or there was just simply too much data to really analyze it and to utilize it for an individual patient. And I'm hoping that's where we're gonna be able to go in the next decade or so. So it seems like one of the big challenges remains uh, data silos. There's all sorts of great big data or big small data out there, but oftentimes it's still either fragmented or siloed or, or really not connected. Um, what do we do about that? Is that ever gonna change? So for what imaging, needs to happen to, for that to change. For imaging, we have DICOM imaging. So you can take an image on one company's uh, hardware, maybe their MRI, and you can look at it on somebody else's PAC system. And that was because we created a standard. We don't have that today for electronic medical records. And so until there is something a little bit better so we can share that information, it is very siloed. And when it's siloed, you don't get the maximum benefits you could. So we need to break that down and hopefully some of that will be done because it's the right thing to do. Um, how much of this will need other drivers and what will those drivers be? There might be regulations, they might just be industry getting together and saying, hey, we need to be able to do this, let's work it out together. And some of the organizations like MIDA and some of the other organizations talk about these kind of things at times. One of the things I, I think so interesting about your position is you're traveling all over the world. You're seeing healthcare in different regions everywhere. Um, what are some of the things you're seeing is, is is it the same everywhere? How is it different everywhere? What, what are you seeing globally? So the good thing is there's just some amazing people, uh, both working for GE as just well as amazing people that I have the opportunity to meet all over the planet. And uh, that's just one of the great perks about the job is to be able to see that. The diseases and how they manifest are different. 
they're different sometimes because the people are different, different races, different um, uh, risk factors, also different environmental situations. So the diseases are different. We have to appreciate that. And then how healthcare is delivered is different. Some countries have nationalized healthcare. Some countries have a more private system. But I think what we are seeing now is improvement in healthcare um, worldwide, including in developing nations. And that's just amazing to see that we can get everybody up to some level of excellence of healthcare. And I think it's extremely important for us as a planet to look and say, wow, we're all just human beings on the same planet. We need to make sure we take care of each other. Yeah, one of the things that always perplexes me is it seems like so much of the healthcare industry is focused on certain big established markets today, yet there's billions of people uh, around the world that literally have almost no access to any care at all. Um, do you think that's gonna change? And, and if so, how, how soon? So that is changing, and it's one of the uh, remarkable things about the, the digital age that we're in. Um, for you and I, uh, cell phone is either a convenience, or sometimes I want to throw mine on the ground and break it, so it's, uh, it's not a convenience. But we do have the potential to have landlines and other forms of communication, whereas when you go to developing nations like Africa, a cell phone is maybe your only option to communicate because there are no landlines and maybe it's your only option to get access to the internet. So I think you're starting to see some of the technologies certainly make the world smaller and as that happens you're seeing improvements in healthcare throughout the world. And I, I think that's extremely important and it's something we need to continue to go after. And how are we going to be able to do this in a sustainable manner? Hmm. And that becomes extremely important. So. You know, you can talk about, well, do you need to make money when you do these things? And I'm certainly not a business person. But if it doesn't become self-sustaining, if it's not monetized to some extent or commercialized to some extent so that the system can become self-sustaining, you're not going to make long-lasting improvements in healthcare. And I think that's one of the things you need to do is build that infrastructure so you indeed can do this, not just in the short term, you know, band-aid on the problem, address an issue and run away, and then things go back to a lesser quality than you'd hoped for, but make it really sustainable. So Startup Health had a very long-term partnership with, with GE. Um, in fact, we've, we've, we're now building almost 25 companies together. Um, what's some of your advice to these young emerging companies, the startups out there, that um, what they should be focusing on, uh, you know, how they should uh, be thinking about a GE healthcare for their business. There was a day when you could create a cool gizmo. And just because it was a cool gizmo, you made it and you put it out on the market and people bought it because it was a cool gizmo and then they figured out important things to do with it. I don't think that model works anymore because of the changing environmental economic uh, environment and, and other aspects. So I think today you not only need to invent that cool gizmo, but you need to figure out what is the undermet need that it's going to address? And can it address it in an efficient way, in a cost-effective way? So just the cool gizmo, that just doesn't rule the day anymore. I think you have to go further. And I would suggest that the startups start to think about that. What is the undermet need that you can address? And then how are you going to be able to address it? Will it be one where patients can have access to it? So you could have a great, even cost-effective model, 
but if you can't get patients to have access to it, it's not going to really move the needle. So you've got to think about uh, quality. Obviously, if it doesn't improve healthcare, it's a non-starter. You've got to think about access. Will you be able to gain access for those patients to meet their underment needs? And then you also have to think about affordability and the economic aspect of it, because if, it, if it's not practical and you can't get it out there, once again, it's not going to make as big an impact. So as, as one of the, the leading organizations in healthcare, what, what keeps you up at, at night? I'm not a patient guy. And uh, no matter how fast things move, they kind of never move as fast as I wish they would move. So it would be nice to see some of these things happen, to break down some of these barriers, to see um, healthcare work together much more to see data sharing between companies, between institutions. I had a long academic career as well, and you know the publisher parish may make you keep your data secret, but that doesn't, at the end, really help patients. So we've got to open that up. We've got to really get this attitude that we're part of a bigger community, and we kind of owe it to that community to chip in and see what we can do to help things out. And it doesn't happen fast enough, so it's just the frustration of the slowness of change. That's that's one of the things I was inspired by today from the vice president's address is really bringing together all these data silos, research silos, all the collective um, abilities of the industry, and we can probably speed up the the pace of innovation and do in seventy in twenty five years what would normally take seventy five or a hundred. I thought that was very meaningful. Um, so. What does the future look like? Uh, sort of get your crystal ball out, uh, take us out 20 years. So I, I think that the acceleration of change will continue. And I think, um, I mean, the digital age is clearly here. It's affecting all our lives. We have our smartphones. We do all these other things. I think we will start to see some improved uh, clinical decision support. Um, from automated systems where this massive amount of data, as I said uh, this morning, somebody said the, the total amount of data out there doubles every 73 days. No one is keeping up with this in their head. And so the only way to keep up with that is to somehow get some support that can go through that massive amount of data. And I think we're going to continue to see that happen. And then we're going to continue to see that become more user-friendly. So um, we're already seeing that generation of kids as they're growing up much more comfortable with technology. I mean, what's the first thing that most parents do when their electronics don't work? You ask your child, you ask your daughter. I say, hey, I go to my daughters and I say, kids, you get my phone to work? And they click seven buttons and the phone works and yeah, they get it. Down, like breathing. So I think we're going to start to see that more and more and it'll become, it is intuitive and it is more and more intuitive to the newer generations, uh, old folks like us who are going to have to work a little bit to keep up with that. But um, I think that's happening and it, it, it's unstoppable. It's going to continue. So last question. Tell us about uh, any tips. You're, you're a doctor yourself. Um, what do you do to stay healthy um, and stay well through your, your journey? That separation of, uh, you know, private lives, the me time and the other time, uh, it's, it's each person's re responsibility. You really have to do that. And um, that's extremely important, routine exercise. Uh, my screensaver now on my computer is my daughters and, and me on the top of Mount Kilimanjaro. So we, we climbed Kilimanjaro, and I, I wouldn't trade that for anything. So 
um, pick things that you're, you like, that are fun, uh, that you can do with other people, that you can be passionate about. But like my grandmother said, you know, all things in moderation, mm-hmm. diet and exercise, and you know, rest your soul. She, she knew, you know, 50 years before her time, right. hello, of course, that's the obvious things to do. Wonderful. Well, well Dr. Hirsch, thank you hey. so much for sharing your wisdom. My pleasure.